Welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and in this episode, we caught up with Natalia Mazzote, a Brazilian data journalist, consultant, and social entrepreneur passionate about data, civic technologies, and media innovation. She leads the journalism program team at Inspire University and works as a senior consultant for digital strategy at Transparency International Brazil. In 2019, she received the prestigious JSK Fellowship from Stanford University and spent a year studying leadership, product management, and the ethics of AI. Prior to that, Natalia has also co-founded the new startup Genero and Numero, the Brazilian chapter of School of Data, and the data-driven news agency J++ Sao Paulo. Natalia also works as an instructor and lecturer in topics related to open government, data journalism, and women leadership, and sits on the board of several NGOs in Brazil, including the Brazilian Association of Investigative Journalism. Natalia talks to us about her winding career path into the field and provides advice for those who are interested in a career in data storytelling. We also hear about the state of data journalism in Brazil, as well as her chapter in the Data Journalism Handbook, Towards a Critical Practice, which has been translated into Portuguese and is out this week. Let's take a listen to our conversation with Natalia Mozote now. Natalia Mazzotti, welcome to Conversations with Data. Hi, Tara. It's a pleasure to be here in this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the work that the European Journalism Center does around data journalism, so it's, I'm glad to be here. Okay, great. So just tell us about yourself, you know, and your work and your career path. What led you to this very interesting path of civic tech advocacy and data journalism? I think in order to explain my involvement with civic tech and data journalism, I got to go back to my childhood (laughs) and I'll try to be brief. So uh, my father was an electrical engineer and had a business in the 90s involving IT and computers. And I got the chance to have computers in my home at very early stage. Uh, And just to give you a context, in the 90s here, very few people had access to personal computers. So I was very lucky uh, to have one at home. And during this time, I developed a huge love for technology that followed me into adulthood. Um, And on the other hand, my mom is a cultural producer and I grew up in theaters. And this shaped my love for stories and the people behind them. And this was very decisive for my choice to to do journalism. So I went to to college to study journalism and there I got involved in projects related to technology and media. And um, at the end of 2008, I went on an exchange program in the US and had my first contact with data journalism completely by chance. I found a workshop Uh, with David Donald, which was an IRE instructor uh, at the time. Uh, And he was giving this workshop on computer assisted reporting, which is like 
the embryo of data journalism, right? So, and and this was like passion at first sight for me. Uh, I realized that there was this whole new universe in which I could explore the passion for technology and for stories. And within the career I had chosen for myself, journalism. So when I came back to, to Brazil, I started to research and study everything I could about data journalism. And the IRE materials were decisive for me at this moment because we, we didn't have uh, materials in Portuguese. Um, and it made me realize that communities matter when we are learning something new or building a field from scratch. And this was very important as a reference for me uh, when I started School of Data here. Um, so in 2011, um, I talked to one of my professors at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro, uh, where I graduated uh, in, data, in journalism. Uh, and I talked to her about data journalism and she generously opened up some space uh, in one of her classes for me to teach data journalism. And this was my first step um, into the School of Data in Brazil. After offering this class, I ended up meeting the founder of Openology in Brazil. Um, and for those who don't know Openology, uh, it is an NGO that works with advocacy for open government and data literacy. And I volunteered to start the School of Data project. Um, and I launched this project at the end of 2013. So School of Data uh, wasn't a structure. Uh, I had to start it from scratch. Uh, and in the first four years of this project, we developed uh, partnerships with important players in the media and philanthropy landscape. We trained more than 60,000 students uh, in face-to-face -face and online courses. We built dozens of online tutorials in Portuguese and fostered communities of journalists. So it was definitely uh, the most important project I've run so far. And it opened the, the floor for other opportunities that I had in my career. Media landscape in Brazil, which is where you are today. Uh, what does the data journalism scene look like there um, in, and in Brazilian newsrooms? And you know, what is life like maybe for a data journalist operating in this country? Yeah, today data journalism is a very strong field uh, with a vibrant community here in Brazil. But back in 2014, it was really starting. And I think School of Data and our IRE, which is the Brazilian Association of Investigative Journalism, we call it Abraje here, they were both decisive to this change. I think now almost all the big newsrooms in the country have a journalist specializing working with data. We have tons of courses and tutorials about the topic here and in Portuguese, and even some graduate courses like the one uh, I developed at Inspire University. So it is still a growing field, but um, I've seen more and more job opportunities uh, for journalists who have some experience with data. Um, but I think we are not yet at the point where data journalism really becomes mainstream in newsrooms. It is still a silo, you know, sometimes the work of one person. And so we still have work to do. And I hope that one day the practice of working with data 
will be so widespread among journalists that will no longer make sense for us to talk about data journalism as a field. It will be just journalism. Um, and you're, in your career, you seem to have moved around quite a lot, you know, from newsrooms to not-for-profits, um, you know, working across many different issues in digital media and advocacy. And I wonder how this mix of experience helps you advance as a journalist and a data storyteller and even an advocate. I think that working with technology and transparency has given me a vision that journalists usually don't get in traditional careers in large newsrooms. Um, I think I realized uh, by being among programmers that the, the practice of collaboration is quite common. And I think it, it, it is also important to be open about our projects in order to have collaboration about the projects and about the methodologies. So this is at the heart of some of the major technology projects of our time. If we think about Linux, Android, Wikipedia, and so on, right? And journalists used to be totally the opposite, super secretive, uh, close, competitive. This is the usual ethos of journalism. And I didn't feel I fit in this ethos. <laughs> um, so I, since most of my career I spent doing journalism projects in NGOs, I was able to try another ethos. I was uh, influenced by the ethos of programmers. And this made a huge difference for me. The very fact that I wanted to document and share what I was learning about data journalism put me in a place of reference that I didn't expect to reach. So I ended up engaging advocacy for more transparency and open data, um, mostly in governments and also for data literacy among journalists. And that led me to the role of CEO at Openology in Brazil. So it was a, a very unusual path for a journalist. And, you know, you then went on to found this digital magazine called Genero Numero. I don't know if I'm uh, butchering that. <laughs> yeah, gender and number, gender and number, yes, that's right. Gender and number. <laughs> um, and so tell us about that publication. Like, what encouraged you to do this? And, and you know, how, how often do you guys publish? And what, You know, just tell us a bit about it. So the initiative to start this project came from my former partner, Juliana Bianconi, which is the executive director now. And uh, she wanted to start a journalistic project about gender. And um, she came to talk to me. Uh, and by that time, I was running School of Data in Brazil and basically developing workshops and classes, but not publishing data-driven stories. And I missed that. I wanted to publish stories with the knowledge I was sharing, you know. So we started to develop uh, what became a digital magazine to cover gender issues beyond the anecdotes, you know, with data and context. So uh, in our first year, uh, we got some funds from Ford Foundation and we managed to publish stories um, about women in sports, uh, the gender gap in politics, and so on. We used to publish like nine or 10 data-driven stories uh, in a month. So it was like very intense. <laughs> but then the, the magazine became um, another thing, you know, became... Uh, 
bigger than just a magazine. Now it is an organization. Uh, it has different projects. And I'm pretty glad that I, I had a chance to, to start this initiative because it's brilliant and it's going super well right now. And I really love the designs and the feel and look of it. it just feels, um, yeah, like you're really capturing this issue, which isn't always easy to do from a design perspective. Um, so yeah, well done on that. Um, and I just wonder, what are some of your favorite and recent examples of data journalism coming out of Brazil? Oh my God, this is this is difficult. <laughs> we have a, we have a lot of great examples, um, and I, I gotta say that the data driven stories produced by Brazilian journalists have reached the level of the best in the world. Um, no wonder we always see Brazilian projects shortlisted in the main international data journalism uh, awards, data storytelling awards. Um, but a recent, uh, recent example that has received uh, several awards uh, is this project made by the fact-checking agency Lupa. Uh, it's a Brazilian fact-checking agency with, with the, the support of the Google News Initiative. Um, it is called No Epicentro. I think in English it's in, in the epicenter. It is a data storytelling that shows what would happen if your neighborhood was at the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. And it was first published in Brazil and then translated uh, and published also in English by the Washington Post. Um, so it was an amazing project, uh, very good data storytelling. But we have several newsrooms doing great job uh, investigating and telling stories with data here. Uh, another example is uh, G1, uh, the um, digital publication from global organization, which is the biggest here. And uh, one of our students from uh, the Master in Data Journalism is Gabriela Cesar, and she produced a very interesting data journalism piece uh, to monitor the votes of city councillors in some Brazilian cities. And it, make, it made easier for citizens to follow the work done in city councils. So it, this, this is not only journalism, you know, um, it, it makes of journalism in city technology. And sometimes I think the work of a data journalist is not um, only to produce an incredible data visualization, but it's primarily to capture and organize the available data and make it more accessible and in intelligible uh, to a wider audience. And Gabriela did this uh, with an incredible competence. So this is also a great example for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see that kind of collaboration as well. Um, but, you know, you've recently also, I mean, you do so many different things, Natalia. Like, honestly, I wonder <laughs> how do you sleep or eat or do anything? Because you're just all over. You're doing so many amazing things. And one of the things you've also done recently is lead the translation for a new book called The Data Journalism Handbook Towards a Critical Practice, a Critical Data Practice, rather. Um, yeah. And I know that that's coming out in Portuguese. Tell us about it. Oh my gosh, I love this book. I gotta say, it it, it was an amazing work uh, done by Jonathan Gray and Liliana Bonegro. And it's coming out next week, actually. So we're going to launch the Portuguese uh, version uh, during CODA. 
coda.br, which is our main data journalism conference in Brazil. And it will, we will have a session with Liliana Bonegro and Jonathan Gray, the organizers of the book, and also Cedro Tomion, uh, the School of Data Manager, to talk about the perspectives for the future of data journalism in the world and also to launch the book. Okay, and that's happening from November 8th to 13th is the CODA Festival, and the book is coming out that week, uh, which is very exciting because that's when this podcast is going live and everyone's listening now. But anyway, um, now you also wrote actually a chapter in this book where you're talking about the importance of openness in data journalism, which kind of intersects with a lot of your experience with the Open Knowledge Foundation. And just tell us about that. You know, do you think things are changing in journalism and things are becoming more open and collaborative. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and I have a concrete example to give you uh, that happened during the COVID crisis here in Brazil. So we had um, what I would call like a, a COVID-19 data blackout in June last year. The official government website for COVID-19 statistics went offline and also some attitudes of uh, authorities and the president Bolsonaro himself um, put in question the availability of data and also its accuracy. So uh, in order to deal with this scenario, um, media outlets, uh, journalists in different organizations, um, which are usually you know, very competitive, they decided to join efforts and form a consortium to work collaboratively to gather the, the COVID-19 figures directly from the state health departments, uh, which is the, the place where they are produced, right? So each news organization published the results in their channels, of course, and also informed the public about whether the, the states lack transparency or not, but it was unprecedented because they worked together to have you know, the final figures to uh, collect data from each of the 27 states in Brazil. And it shows how we are evolving in terms of collaboration here. It's, it's totally something uh, new, you know, we, we are usually in a competitive environment, but now we are more open to collaborations and uh, to work together. And I wonder, I mean, how are things faring right now in Brazil with COVID? Are, are you in another wave or? Now we are in a better situation. Uh, the advantage that we have is that we have a vaccination culture, you know, from previous uh, vaccination campaigns. Uh, and we have uh, more than 60% of the population vaccinated. And, and, you know, the figures are growing fast. So we, we are seeing the numbers of COVID deaths drop and the vaccinations uh, are higher. So it is a moment that we see the, uh, the investments in our public health infrastructure pay out, you know. Uh, this is not from this government, but it's something that it is a legacy that we have. So I think it's an important moment for us and an important moment to even evaluate the, uh, the importance of these kind of investments. 
And you recently received a JSK fellowship from Stanford University, and you spent a year there studying leadership, product management, and the ethics of AI. I wonder if you could just talk to us about that experience and, you know, what was most exciting and most concerning from this? Yeah, um, it is precious. Uh, uh, This kind of opportunity to, you know, have a moment to think about your, your career and develop especially soft skills that you usually don't have time to develop in a daily routine. I use my time at Stanford to um, study in the business school, um, in the design um, design thinking school. So uh, I was with, you know, the, some of the most brilliant minds in the world in different fields. Uh, and I could learn more about leadership. I could learn more uh, about product management, which is something that is growing uh, among journalists as well. Uh, So it was incredible. And I totally recommend uh, anyone in journalism to try it out, you know, to apply and and see if uh, this opportunity comes to them. And I wonder, were there any things in terms of the ethics of AI that you learned about that were interesting, that surprised you in any way? Yeah, one thing that I studied uh, at Stanford was uh, content moderation. And the ethics of AI is super related to this topic. And one thing that I, I felt was that we are putting all of our eggs in the same basket, which is uh, trusting technology to solve our human problems, you know. And content moderation is a good example of this because uh, it is super hard to differentiate uh, good quality content from, you know, bad quality content. And this is something that we are trying to solve and most of the big tech tech companies are trying to solve uh, with algorithms. and. It's, it's not possible not to be biased when we are trying to solve human problems uh, with just technology without the human mind behind it. We have to, to be constantly evolving our models, evolving our algorithms, but at the same time, this is not scalable. We, we cannot bring scale to a problem that is solved by humans. So this is the the issue that we have in place right now. I'm still very curious and and very interested in learning more about, especially about content curation uh, and content moderation, because I think this is at the heart of our journalistic problems right now and at our information ecosystem issues. Now, you founded the School of Data Brazil. What is the most important thing you think journalists need to understand when developing a data literate mindset? So I think there are two essential skills for data journalists, and they are not hard skills. The first one is uh, we need to get comfortable with frustration and develop resilience. We're going to make a lot of mistakes before we get it right, especially with coding. So uh, we we must be open to mistakes. 
And in order to be open to mistakes, we need to, to have a safe environment, uh, an environment where we can experiment. And that brings me to the second soft skill. Data journalists must be collaborative. The safe environment comes with belonging to a community, being with people who help each other instead of competing with each other, right? So, of course, um, competition will, will exist, uh, but we cannot be in this dominant mindset. You know, competition cannot be our dominant mindset. So the hard skills will come with persistence, openness, and collaboration. And for that, we need to be comfortable with frustration and uh, be open to collaboration. And finally, I just wondered, what advice do you have to journalists or to students who are interested in pursuing a career in data journalism? And particularly, for instance, if you're overseas and you're, you're a Brazilian journalist and you're overseas and you're starting your career, like what advice do you have for someone in that position as well? First, um, join a community of data journalists. So this was super important for me in the beginning of my career, you know, to discover that there was a community um, in Brazil. We didn't have like a strong community yet, but by just by uh, knowing that in the U.S. there there were a bunch of journalists interested in learning and exchanging, you know, their um, experiences around using data in journalism, that was super inspiring to me. So uh, the first tip that I give is to join a community of data journalists. The second one is to develop a project um, and just pick a topic that you like uh, and develop a project to apply your skills and learn by doing. I don't believe in other methodology, in, in, in a different way of learning. You know, I think we learn by doing. We learn by putting into, by putting our hands into the, the things that, I, that we like and, and developing projects. So just do it. Just get something that you are interested in and just go ahead and, and, and develop your project. And the third one is to keep um, a study routine with free resources. We have a lot of free resources right now for those who want to um, learn data journalism. We have tons of you know, tutorials in different languages. We have massive courses from the Knight Center. We have School of, School of Data um, tutorials and courses. So now we are in a moment in which we don't have any excuse not to start if we want. And I think that's the main tip for anyone. Just see if this is a passion for you, you know, see if this is something that you really want to do and go for it. Marvelous. Well, thank you so much, Natalia, for joining us today on Conversations with Data. That was absolutely fabulous listening to your insight and perspective. Thank you so much, Tara. It was a great pleasure to me to be here. Thank you again for the invitation. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Want to hear more interesting discussions on data journalism? You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. 
You can also get the podcast straight to your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter at datajournalism.com slash subscribe. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.